The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2017 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. Um, let's pray, and then we'll dive into our time. Uh, Father, um, thank you um, for Austin's story and your grace in his life and um, how he's a picture of how um, you could give us much grace. So God, I pray um, that through the course of our time in the text tonight, um, that that's what will happen, that we would, um, we would experience grace. God, we need to encounter you. God, I know we've, um, we've heard and we've met and you've been speaking, you've been moving, and God, thank you for that. Thank you that you don't stay hidden in the dark. Um, God, thank you that you not only invite us to know you, but you pursue us that we would know you. God, thank you that even as we're praying now, we're not just lifting up words to the ceiling, but we're laying before you our hearts that through your power and your promise, our prayers reach the heavens. Thank you that your ears incline to us. Thank you that Romans 8 is true, that all things do work together for the good of those who know you. Thank you that the beginning part of Romans 8 is true, that you intercede and you pray for us when we cannot pray for ourselves. God, thank you that there is life to be found and there is always more life to be experienced through pursuing you. God, thank you for being a God who knows and cares. Now, receive our thanks and respond by continuing to be who you are. And as you do that, God, we'll give you praise, which you would do, not just with our um, words, but with our lives. You're worthy. Give me grace, give me energy, give me strength. Give us the same. In your name we pray, amen. My time didn't start till after I prayed. Boom. Um, and so, how's everybody doing? Good? Long day? Yep. Um, coffee, some joggers, and a Bible, and we're going to change the world, okay? Um, and so, if you have a Bible, uh, meet me in Romans um, 16. Uh, I know the Midwest, Minneapolis is Piper country, so we got to be in Romans at least one time um, during this conference, right? So... Um, during the course of the day, first of all, thank you for um, allowing me to spend some time with you guys. I'm looking forward to tomorrow to do it again and just to hear your story and to see, man, how God is um, really alive and amongst you you guys. I was sharing that um, with a few people um, tonight, man, just to see the way he's definitely among you and working. And man, that's just encouraging and refreshing for my heart. Um, so, man, thank you for allowing me to enter into that space, not just through preaching the word, but just kind of sharing and building and, and getting to know your names and your, your stories. Um, in light of that as well, um, what just is just kind of just you know moving me a little bit, um, and I'm, I'm going to spend time here, is that, man, I, I do know that there is a resistance that we all have. Um, there's a resistance to receive truth, especially truth that sounds too good to be true. 
So much of what has been laid before us seems like that's a good idea conceptually. But to actually live out of that truth, mm, not so much. Even if you know Jesus, there's a resistance in your heart. There's a resistance in my heart, and it's a residue of something, namely sin, um, but it shows up in a particular way. Um, Niebuhr nails um, me. He nails you. Um, let, me, let, me, let me explain. He says this. Um, man is mortal. That is his faith. Um, man pretends not to be mortal. That is his sin. Man is a creature of time and space whose perspectives and insights are invariably conditioned by his immediate circumstances, but man is not merely the prisoner of time and space. He touches the fringes of the eternal. And the more one understands about the eternal, the more one understands how eternal the eternal is and how finite the finite is. You see, there's a resistance in our hearts, which is the residue of sin that shows up as trying to move God to the peripheral of life and to replace him by moving myself to the center of it. That fundamentally, I believe I could do a better job than God at being God for my life. And that residue shows up in the way that I resist truth, in the way that I run from it, and in a way that I try to build my life in my own energy with my own strength to create a law onto myself, my own truth. The idea is this word autonomy. Again, we just learned all sorts of Greek, right? Um, auto, self, right? Nomos, law, this idea, this self-law. I will rule myself, and it shows up in random and regular ways. Example, um, there's this idea called following the flow of traffic. Maybe you've heard of it. So in Miami, the speed limit is non-existent. I'll just drive how I feel, which is usually 80. And that's because people are going 80, so I'm following the, law of tra the flow of traffic. If I drive a lower speed limit, I will contribute to somebody's downfall. So therefore, me going 80, though the speed limit is probably like 40 or 50, is contributing to the flourishing of humanity, all right? And so I've created this self-law that now I live by, and it's small. It sounds like, oh, yeah, we laugh and we giggle, but we do that in multiple ways. The petites brought that out earlier with relationships. We don't look to God's design for that. We create our own law towards that. And the resistance in your heart will show up as creating your own law, your own truth, your own narrative, whereby God gets pushed to the peripheral and you replace him. And the text today, tonight, is going to push against us in that space. Because with crystal clarity, God is going to say some things that rub against me. And he's going to offer some things that truthfully, I desperately need. And I said this yesterday, I just want to reiterate it. Man, the life that we really want, the life that we were made for, is the life that God has designed my prayer is that is, as we walk through um, what is one of my favorite texts in the scripture, that we wouldn't resist what God is doing. We wouldn't try to replace him, but we would fall in line um, with what he's offering and where he wants to take us because he's taken history someplace and we should follow 
um, that trajectory. So um, Romans um, 16, um, it's a doxology and it's um, pretty potent. Let me just read it all the way through and then I'm going to build out this idea um, of God's ability to strengthen and then I'll just close with some impl implications um, for our time. All right, so... Um, 16, 15, um, 25 through 27 series like this. Um, now unto him who is able to strengthen you according to my um, gospel um, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith, 27, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. I love the way Romans is closed. Just to note this, um, for, for y'all who, who would see yourselves as theological giants, you're just like, man, I love Romans. You just talk about it, amen, amen. And it's like, man, this is like this theologically rich book like, which is true, but what's fascinating is this was written not from the comfort of some seminary class, Paul just kind of sitting in his closet, waxing eloquent about God. This is written from Paul on the mission field, trying to make Jesus known to people. And in doing so, and in, 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 in laying out the excellencies of God from chapter 1 all the way here to chapter 16, he closes by identifying a profound truth concerning God, namely his ability to strengthen. Again, a doxology, drawn attention to a particular attribute of God that calls him to be praised. And he says, now unto him who is able to strengthen you. Now, that presupposes something. God's ability to strengthen presupposes that we are in need of strength. In other words, it presupposes the presence of weakness in all of us. Now, if, if, if you're like me, um, you grew up, like, I mean, my dad, I love my dad. Like, I shared this story with some of um, you guys with my little brother being murdered. Um, and, you know, that was the first time I really saw my dad cry. Um, and so growing up, like, I, like, I just... Weak, what is that? Weakness? That's pain leaving the body. Do some push-ups. You know what I mean? It's like that's just kind of the way that I, I we don't talk about. We we just kind of man up and we just kind of get after it. So we hid our weaknesses because we viewed our weaknesses as a liability. Furthermore, in the environment that I grew up where, you know, I mean, it, it was it was there's a lot of violence and things like that. If you show weakness, that means that you were exposed and now somebody could take advantage of you. So, so for me, weakness was that thing that we ran from and we pretended like it didn't exist. And that's most of us. Weakness is that thing where like, um, no, I don't have that. Because we view it as a liability. The problem is that's not the way God views weakness. God views our weakness not as a liability but as an asset because it's opportunity for him to provide strength. Strength. 
Example, um, 2 Corinthians 12, the same man who wrote this text wrote a letter to the Corinthians, and he said, man, there was this one time in my life where I was talking to God, and there was a storm in my flesh. It was frustrating me. It was causing me to feel weak, and I'm like, God, take it away, and God said no. I'm like, all right, God, I heard you. I prayed again. God, take it away. He said no again. I'm like, okay. God, take it away, and for the third time, he's like, it's not going to happen. But he said, no, 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 you don't understand, Paul that my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, so I'm not going to take it away because that's not a liability. That's an asset for you. Now until he's able to strengthen you presupposes the need for strength, which presupposes weakness in our lives. Weakness isn't something that we run from. It's an opportunity that we run to to say, God, this is who I am. Let me not hide it. But how can you give me strength in the midst of it? Now unto him who's able to strengthen you. I love it. But what, 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 if we continue to build this out, he says, now unto him who's able to strengthen you through the gospel. Now, um, everything else between the beginning and of 25 where he says, now unto him who's able to strengthen you through the gospel to the end of 27 where he says, to glory be Jesus forevermore is an unpacking of what the gospel is. The proclamation of Jesus Christ. The mystery kept secret for long ages. The mystery of the gospel is that it doesn't matter what your ethnic reality is, you could come to know Jesus. You don't have to be a Jew. You can like shrimp and pork and all that. You, you can come to know the Lord. The mystery that Ephesians paints is that God wants this oneness that could only be modeled in, 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 in really in a dim way in marriage. Where you're together, where you love one another, you sacrifice. That's what Paul says. And he says, I'm not even really talking about marriage. I'm talking about the relationship God wants with the church. This mystery of unity and oneness. Fascinating. He says, God has the ability to strengthen you, but he's saying this ability to strengthen you comes through the gospel. How might the gospel give us strength? Let me give you an example. We've been talking much about identity. You know, it's, it, it, even in our conversations today, it's, it's come up um, continuously about this idea about uh, identity. Do you know what the gospel says? The gospel says that in Jesus, you are made new and you are made a child of God. That what was lost in the garden wasn't my usefulness to God. It wasn't like Adam and Eve couldn't, you know, stop naming animals. But it was the walking with God in the cool of the day. And what's redeemed, what's renewed through the gospel isn't just usefulness. Like God kind of like gets a hammer back. Like a tool on his tool belt. What's renewed, what's redeemed is relate, it's related, his son. God gets a son. He gets a daughter. Most people would say if you want to understand the story of God, it can be broken down that God gets his family back. He gets a son. How might that strengthen you? Now think about that. 
it reorients how we view identity that God now sees us as sons and daughters. Think about your identity. Think about your roles. Think about the hats that you wear. I wear, I wear several. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I love my church. Care for her. Think about her. Praying for her even now. I'm a husband. I love my wife. She's precious to me. I'm married up. I outkick my coverage. If that's the language, I mean, she's, yeah. If you've seen her, if you've talked to her, you agree. I'm a father. I love my children. All three of them. My dad buried my little brother um, in 2011. It's hard, hard time, a lot of tears, a lot of frustration, a lot of questioning, why God? Watch my dad weep. If that was his only child at that time, he would have ceased being a father. I could bury my children. God forbid something could happen, I could lose them. They're gone. I'll cease being a father. Seems like every year I'm running into a friend of mine or another pastor who's committed a moral failure, who stepped out and they lost their church and they lost their marriage. God forbid any of that happens to me. But it is possible I could lose the church. Maybe I'm no longer the gifted guy. Maybe they don't need me anymore. Maybe I do something, I live in sin, and I lose that. I lose my wife. Do you know what I could never lose? Do you know what could never be taken from me? Me being a son of Jesus Christ. He's my older brother. I'm a Pentecost. My father. I could never lose that. I could cease being a father. I could cease being a husband. I could cease being a pastor, but I can never cease being a child of God. That's how the gospel could give me strength. It reinforces what God has done. That I could give God a thousand reasons to stop loving me, and I have. And none of them are good enough. None of them will say, no, no, I'm done with you, Moochie. None of the reasons I could give God will cause him to say, oh, man, it's over. You've ruined my plan. No. That is the plan of God, to love me. To pour out grace on me as a father does a son. And all of that is found in the truth of the gospel. Now unto him is able to strengthen you through the gospel. An anchoring of who I am. An offer that's on the table. Now unto him is able to strengthen you through the gospel. Um, but the, the fact that God gives strength through the gospel is praiseworthy. We should praise God for that. Is that your identity? Are you still on the fringes? Playing God? How's that working? 
Are you not in the fringes, but you're in the family and you're still playing God? Replacing the order? How's that working? But God gives strength when we're weak. His ability to strengthen the gospel is astounding. It's praiseworthy. But it's highlighted in what he's strengthening us for. Let me read. Um, But now has been disclosed through the prophetic writings and has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To bring about the obedience of faith. God strengthens and he strengthens through the gospel, but he doesn't get he doesn't give arbitrary strength. Have you ever been to the gym and you just see those guys, they're like big for no reason? Like you won, dude. Like, why are you still there? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, just go some, like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's just like, it's like, like, that's not even helping you. Do you know that having big biceps serves no functional purpose? <laughs> Did you know that? Like, like, for real. Like, it, it's like, oh, a lady's like, no, I like, look at, but it's like, it serves no functional purpose. You can't, like, lift with your biceps, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's just arbitrary muscles. They just sit there. That's not how God gives, he doesn't give you arbitrary strength. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to strengthen you so you just sit there and quote, unquote, be strong. No, no, no. God strengthens you for a purpose. When God gives strength, it's to move you to accomplish something, namely bringing about the obedience of faith. The word for that is mission. That God strengthens the people of God for the mission of God. Now here's, let me tease that out. Maybe, maybe the reason why we experience these seasons of just weakness and dryness where it's like, man, I, I know God's kind of there, but I don't really sense him. I don't sense his strength in my life, his, his power in my life, is because we're not following his plans for our life. That we don't live on mission. We're not moving where God would have us. We're still playing the God of our own lives. So we're trying to move our own way. And we say, God, strengthen me to accomplish my dreams instead of, God, strengthen me to fulfill your purposes. Now all to him is able to strengthen you through the gospel for the obedience of faith. Not just so that we could get through the day, although he does do that because he's gracious but so that we could grow in such a way where we make him known because the obedience of faith, when you, when you track through the scripture, specifically Romans, the obedience of faith is the glad submission, the glad and willful submission to the will of God in our lives. That's the obedience of faith, the glad and willful submission to the will of God in our lives. Now, here's what it looks like. This is why I say it's glad. It's doing it out of a place of delight and believing that God is trustworthy, taking God at his word. 
So the first five books of the Bibles, the, the Pentateuch, it's fascinating, written by a guy by the name of Moses. You may have heard about him. And the time in which he wrote it to me is powerful. So in Moses' story, uh, Moses disobeyed God and he was not able to enter into the promised land. Um, but not only did he disobey God and not, he was not able to enter into the promised land, but this older generation full of faithlessness disbelieved God and they were not able to enter into the promised land as well. So you have this generation that's now being raised up who is going to step into the promises of God. And what Moses is trying to do is he is trying to tell them that God is trustworthy and he can be taken at his word. So when you look at Genesis, the story of Genesis is God can be taken at his word. That God's word is powerful and when he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Let there be there's light. And then over and over and over, you get to Noah. I'm going to bring a flood. And Noah took God at his word. And that's, that's the story of, it's the story of the Bible that God could be taken at his word, that he's trustworthy. So this is this delight in who God is that shows up in I'm trusting what God says. And it makes God look good. Parents know this. We know this. I'm looking in a crowd. I can't really see anybody, so I don't know where my parents are. So I'm just going to know. It's nod. Just nod if you know. That there's something that bubbles up in us when our children, like, do what we say. <laughs> just listen to me, Noah. Trust me. Don't eat the lizard. Real conversation. <laughs> there's lizards everywhere. That's a real conversation. And there's something that bubbles up in me when he's like, okay, dad, I'm not going to eat this lizard. Thank you, son. <laughs> Dead serious. There's something that bubbles up in me when me and Serenity are having conversations and I'm like, Serenity, trust me. You could confront this bully, look her in the face, tell her we don't have that type of relationship. Don't talk to me like that. That's a clean version, all right? Trust me, Serenity. And when she does it, then she comes back and she's like, dad, I didn't punch her to throw. I know I want, and it's just like, yeah, I'm proud of you. But next time, yeah, unclean version. <laughs> but there's just something that bubbles up in me when they take me at my word. Because what they're saying is, Dad, I believe you. Dad, I can trust you. And the only way that they're able to do that is by actually spending time with me, delighting in me, seeing my character. The obedience of faith, the glad and willful submission to the will of God in our lives. And God strengthened us for that purpose because as we do that, gladly and willfully, delightfully, it becomes apologetic for the trustworthiness of God, that God is to be treasured, evidenced by the way that we trust him. Now unto him is able to strengthen you through the gospel for the obedience of faith. Let me give an implication to close um, that's back along the lines of um, weakness. And it's really two. Um, a mentor of mine's, um, guy by the name of Crawford Loritz, friend, um, he, he says this, and it just, it's always stuck with me. He said, never underestimate the power of self-deception and the pull towards self-reliance. Never underestimate the power of self-deception and the pull of self-reliance. 
there's a residue in my heart. I, I can't fully get rid of it yet. One day it'll be done away with completely. But there's a residue in my heart that wants to be God. I just do. And I'll deceive myself. I kind of, I kind of trick myself. And I'll, I'll look at weakness. And I'll be like, no, 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 no. I'm not that weak. I could kind of push through. I'll plow through. I'll, I'll be better. I'll, I'll do better. I'll try harder. And I'll just kind of lean into my own strength. I just won't ask for help. I'll just kind of get, just keep going, Moochie. You got this. God's give you energy. Just go. And I cut myself off from the strength of God in my life. And God is constantly pulling me back to a place where he says, man, Moochie, the safest place for you is where you allow me to be God. And you rest in that. And one of the ways that God, God is showing me that is by constantly putting me in front of my limited sight. That I don't have this tremendous foresight that I think I need to have to lead effectively. And at best, I look towards the past and I have hindsight. And even then, my, my insight is limited to use the future, lose, like use the, 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 the past. I just don't have the sight necessary to avoid all the problems that may befall me. But God does. So let me rest in the fact that he's a better God than me. It's been comforting me. But it's also been comforting me to know that in light of that, God's wisdom shows up as taking me on a journey. A journey where I experience his strength. Because he's not eliminating weakness, he's empowering me in the midst of weakness. He's not eradicating it, he's meeting with me. So it's a journey where I experience his strength and where I am today is not where I was in 2011 when I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a Christian anymore. And that's beautiful. And where you are today is not necessarily where you may end up tomorrow. And that's okay. Because there's a journey that Christ is leading people on where they would know him and experience him specifically his ability to strengthen them through the gospel to remind them of their truth and refresh them with what he's done and to pull them into believing it daily, daily, run into it. And there's a story in the scripture that's been, been just on my heart that just reminds me of this reality that, that God sees. And I need to take my eyes off of my ability to try to see things clearly and, and to fix my eyes on the God who sees and who strengthens and leads people on a journey towards him. First Corinthians, um, Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians trying to pull them um, to, to faith, to, to an identity that would allow them to flourish. So in the beginning he says, Paul, an apostle called by the will of God, and then he includes this guy by the name of Sosthenes, random almost. Until you read Acts chapter 18, I'll read it. Just because you know. It may be on the screen. 
In Acts 18, there's a situation where Paul is doing his thing. He's um, going to the synagogues. He's going to the marketplaces, and he's ministering people, and people are coming to know Jesus because God is faithful. When the gospel goes forth, God actually saves people. If you don't know Jesus and you're just sitting in here and the gospel is going forth through people, through conversations, God is wooing you. He's pricking at you, and he wants to save you. He's actually going to do it prayfully. We're praying for it. Um, and as he's doing it, he's causing this uproar. And a Jewish synagogue leader comes to know Jesus, which is amazing. An enemy, now a friend. People didn't like that. So to create this sham trial to get Paul arrested and then dealt with. But the proconsul had nothing to do with it. And so in verse 16 of Acts 18, it says this, and he drove them from the tribunal, that he drove all of these people that would try to drum up these fake charges um, against Paul away. And in verse 17, it says, and they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to any of this. So the, the Jewish synagogue leader came to know Jesus they got this new synagogue leader, a guy by the name of Sosthenes. And they had this sham trial that Sosthenes was heading. And it didn't work. And in their frustration, they beat this man. Yet, what we see is that three years later, when Paul is writing 1 Corinthians, this man who was an enemy is now included as a brother. And that has just been rocking me because my scope of time is so limited. And because my scope of time is limited, I'm always going to be in a place of weakness where I'm in need. But God is doing things in my life and in people's lives that I won't realize until years from now. And my prayer is that God would give me the strength through the gospel to believe that and to move towards that. God, well, what are you doing in me? One thing I know, you're trying to produce the obedience of faith within my own heart. And you're strengthening me for that. God, what are you doing in others? One thing I know is that you are trying to call them to the obedience of faith. That they would delight in you and willfully surrender to your will for their lives. Now I'm able to strengthen us for that. We talk a lot of self-discovery. I talked about that yesterday. And mission, praying that God would do work, that God would move in us and move through us, reveals much about what we believe about God. And it reveals much about who we are. And it refines those things that we may have wrong about God. And it refines those things that we may be ashamed of about who we are. And as we've just talked and we've laughed and we joked. I just want us to sit and ask the hard questions. Where am I hiding weakness and relying on my own strength? Where do I need God to be true and to provide hope and to provide power. God, we thank you um, because our needs
our opportunity for you to prove who you are in our lives. And God, we could be anchored by your ability to strengthen us, to establish us, to build us, to provide power, to keep us going, to believe again, and to be moved towards greater faith where we obey out of gladness and we take you at your word. God, all of that is a gift of grace and you give it. But it takes faith to receive grace. And so now we pray for faith, God. The faith to believe. The faith to seek you, to journey towards you, to trust your scope, your sight. To not hide weakness, but to find comfort and strength from you. Thank you, God. Would you help us? In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.